Welcome to the Wandering Bard Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Wandering Bard podcast this week. First, I want to thank those who offered some comments from my last episode. One of the biggest comments was that the audio sounded a little spliced or inconsistent, and uh, that's actually a great observation. What I did was I took my iPad to my in-laws' house and recorded the episode over Christmas. And then when I got back to Virginia, where I live, I realized that there were some parts of the story that I'd left out or wanted to add. So. I recorded those with my normal workstation, and it definitely, you could tell where the the story cut in and out a little bit. So I've done music production for about 10 years now. I'm half decent at it, but doing a podcast is actually a, a little different because it's just the vocal audio, basically. So there's no other instruments to hide behind, and acoustics become a big deal. And so, for example, this week, what I did in my attempt to keep improving or learning about podcast production. I've made a little fort out of sofa cushion pillows, and we'll see if that helps the the audio quality this week. This week, I'm going to talk about a tune called the Banshee, and this is a fiddle tune that will pretty much be in any top 10 list of most commonly played session tunes. Pretty much any fiddler, this is going to be one one of the first ones that they learn. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to just talk a little bit briefly about the history of the composer and where it came from. It's fairly straightforward, but then I wanted to talk about banshees and stuff a little bit too. What I envision this podcast being is a lot of times when you go watch a solo fiddler perform, you know, they'll just be on a stool on a stage with a light shining on them and one microphone. And a lot of times they'll give a little story about a tune or piece of music before they play it. And so I kind of envisioned these episodes being those stories that a fiddler or a musician can tell before going into a song. This tune was composed by a whistler or flutist named James McMahon, who was born in County Monaghan in about 1900. He was originally from South Fermanagh, but he lived out most of his life in Belfast. He played an ivory flute and composed some other tunes, including the ivory flute, the Boys of Corna Creve, and James McMahon's Jig. He was also a member of the early McPeaks Cayley Band. Uh, Cayley Band is a large Irish music band, anywhere 10, 20 people usually. And they'll play at these Cayleys, which is kind of a social gathering where people will be dancing. Sometimes there will be a, a caller and storytellers and stuff like that. So it's basically a big party. And these bands are kind of like the Irish traditional version of maybe like a jazz swing band or something like that you could think of them one interesting thing about the Cayley bands is a lot of times they'll be generational so some of them have been around for like a hundred years so as the the parents give birth to kids and the kids will pick up an instrument and then they eventually replace their parents so then you have all the children playing in the Cayley band that the parents started and then even grandparents so a lot of times they'll continue for long periods of time the Kilfenora Cayley Band, for example, which is one of the more popular ones, was actually founded in 1909, so you're talking over 100 years. No one is quite sure where this tune got its name, The Banshee, from. It was originally known as McMahon's Reel, and it still is in many circles. Um, but there's a couple of funny stories about 
where the name the Banshee might have come from. One of them is it may have stemmed from the sound of the playing of James McMahon himself. Um, and now that's a little rude. I won't propose to know anything about James McMahon's playing himself, so I can't attest to the accuracy of that statement. One of them is also a similar story about a radio host who didn't care too fondly for Irish traditional music. And so before he played this piece of music on the radio, he just kind of made it up and called it the Banshee as kind of a reference to the wailing of a Banshee. One of the interesting things about trying to put together the backstory and the history of some of this music is that uh, a lot of it's hearsay and rumors, like some of this information I get off message boards. So I would take all this with a grain of salt, but sometimes to me, that's the fun part of it is that the truth is kind of ambiguous, but the stories are kind of fun. So generally I try to lean a little more scholarly in my pursuit to the history of these things, but I don't mind indulging the quirky story or tale either. You'll most frequently hear this tune played in a set with two other tunes, one called the Salamanca and the other called the Sailor's Bonnet. A lot of times it's almost expected that you will play these three together, but I've definitely heard this tune played by itself with other unrelated tunes. Uh, something you do have to be careful of, though, is sometimes the A part will be repeated and the B part will be repeated. So A, A, B, B, but then sometimes it will just be A, B, A, B. Some notable recordings of this, one is from the Bathy Band. They probably are the ones who really popularized this tune, but the Furies, Quilty, and Pendragon also recorded this. There's a fiddler on YouTube who did one of those new tune a day projects. Her name's Katie Davis Henderson, who has a really great version. Um, I've known this tune for a couple years now. Again, it was one of the first ones that I myself learned. But then after hearing hers, I went back and revisited and kind of tried to make mine sound a little bit more like hers. So if you're looking for a really great version, uh, check her, her YouTube channel out. James McMahon's daughter actually started a Facebook group dedicated to him. It's pretty cool. You can go on there and see people from around the world covering music that he's written. It's got about 469 followers as of this podcast, which is about 450 more than the Wandering Bard page has. So come on, people, help me out here. So now let's get into the very serious business of discussing what was a banshee. Most importantly, it was a story that parents would tell their kids who were constipated in an attempt to relieve them of their condition. <laughs> I guess there's a little bit more to it than that, so I'll divulge the rest of the details. There seems to be a little bit of confusion in terms of how contemporary Western culture views banshees. Uh, a lot of times we'll see the banshees as violent or evil monster-type creatures, and traditionally this isn't really what they were. What is depicted in contemporary Western pop culture when we see or hear about banshees is actually more akin to a race called the Morrigan. The Morrigan were actually far more warlike and associated to violence than banshees traditionally were. They're definitely rooted in Celtic history and a lot of times are thought to have been comprised of a trinity of goddesses, which which makes sense because a lot of Celtic mythology stemmed from the idea of threes. Morgan was often thought to predict the outcome of battles by either inspiring fear and courage in the warriors of one side or the other, and she would do that by appearing as a crow 
right before the battle started. Sometimes she would actually take a more direct intervention in the battles itself and actually participate in the fighting. There's definitely a link between Morgan and Banshees. They do have some similarities, and the Morgan actually predates the Banshee, but I do think it's important to make the distinction. Fairies were an immensely important part of Irish folklore, and a lot of times you'll see Banshees mentioned as kind of a, a type of fairy that they came from these Irish fairy mounds that kind of allegedly dot the Irish countryside. A lot of times what they are most known to do is appear as a female spirit that heralds the death of a family member, usually by wailing or shrieking or keening. And what keening is, it's basically weeping or crying at the death of a loved one. Um, many cultures actually had women who would be hired to keen at the funeral. These were basically professional criers who the family would hire to uh, be mournful at a loved one's ceremony. There's a lot of descriptions of banshees and they can vary, but often they have long streaming hair and they might wear a gray cloak over a green dress and many times their eyes are red from the continual crying. Sometimes they might be dressed in white with red hair and often will have a ghastly or ghostly complexion. The size of a banshee is something that can also vary a little bit. Many accounts have them being from one foot to four feet, but this kind of coincides with the idea of her appearing as an old woman. This also can corroborate the idea that the banshee is related or a type of fairy. Irish legend talks about a song or a lament that's sung by a fairy woman or banshee. Oftentimes they would sing it when a family member died or was about to die. And the really creepy or interesting part about this is that the banshee might be singing about the death of a family member that was far removed geographically. So you might be a lumberjack in Germany who's on his way to work to chop down some wood and you know that your wife just left for a trip to go see the in-laws in Scotland and all of a sudden you see a banshee and assuming you like your wife, you're going to be thinking, oh, this is not good. I guess they don't really talk much about banshees being a cause for celebration, though I guess it's not out of the question. The banshee doesn't always necessarily wail as an indication that someone has died. It may do that as an indication that someone is going to die. So again, similar to the Morgan, you might have a banshee wailing the eve the night before a great battle takes place or something like that. There is an idea that banshees don't just wail for any old person. It's sometimes stated that the banshee laments only the descendants of the pure Milesian stock of Ireland, which is often people with the surnames of O and Mac. There's also an idea that every family has their own banshee, whether you're a descendant of Ireland or not. It was often believed that if there were multiple banshees present that someone great had died or was about to die. Again, a banshee isn't someone who actually causes death. Mostly they're just an indication that death has occurred or is near. So all this talk about banshees is actually kind of pretty spooky and heavy, all the, the death and war and all that, and it kind of doesn't go great with the tune because it's a really happy, uplifting kind of tune. I'm going to play it here in a second so you can decide for yourselves, but I think it's fun to use the anecdote of the banshee wailing as a reference to Irish traditional music as kind of humorous. 
I do have one more somewhat long-winded anecdote I'd like to share about this piece of music that's personal to me. A couple years ago, I went to the FLA in Ennis, Ireland, which is kind of Ireland's big music festival that they use to determine the best fiddler and the best accordion player for the year. They have a lot of workshops, and the streets are basically just filled with people dancing and playing music. At one point of the festival, they had a building, and they took the entire side of that building, and they lit it up with a projection of kind of thematic Irish music scenes. And one of the scenes was this piper walking across this great field, and they just kind of had it going on repeat the whole time in the square where the music was being played at, like the main concerts and stuff. So flash forward to uh, a different trip, and a buddy that I had kind of gotten to know throughout my time going to Ireland, he knew I was doing this project. And so he took me down to this little village called Dingle, which is down in the Southwest. And he took me to this woman's house and we kind of get there in the middle of the night and we walk in and lo and behold, it was this woman who had been projected on the side of this building the year before. I guess she was like a fairly known piper. She was a very interesting character, uh, to say the least. Very sassy, very hard drinker. And he told me that she played pipes, but didn't really keep up with it anymore. And so we stayed down there for a couple days. And I'm kind of constantly dropping hints that I want to play music with her. Like, hey, I hear you're a piper. And she would kind of just shrug it off. Oh, yes, yes, you know, in a different life and things like that. And she'd try and get me to do house chores like moving Christmas trees or bookshelves and stuff like that. After like the second day of me kind of doing this, I noticed she'd kind of gotten the pipes down from the attic and she'd brought them down and just had them sitting in her little kitchen. And she said she was kind of letting them acclimate and she was thinking about maybe having a tune or playing. So I just kind of kept pushing it and pushing it. And then... One day, me and the buddy I was with, who is also a musician himself, he plays banjo and he sings, we ended up doing an interview with a woman who owns a local record store down there. I'm going to put that interview up on the site. It was pretty cool. Anytime musicians come through, she'll basically just do an interview and play some tunes together and she posts it up on the site. So I'm going to put that up on YouTube and put it on the site as well. But anyway, so we did this little interview thing and then... We kind of go to a pub to celebrate, like, oh, we're kind of famous now or whatever, you know, just kind of joking. And we ended up going to this pub where the musicians that were supposed to play had canceled. So they saw that we had instruments because we had just come from doing this other interview and they asked us to fill in. So we were like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. So we kind of jumped in and we're playing music all night and they were paying us with porter, so to speak, which is basically they don't pay you, but your drinks are free, so... Him and I both ended up uh, really earning our pay that night, I guess you could say. We went at it pretty hard. And so he is just dead to the world the next day. He doesn't wake up till 9 o'clock the next night once we get back from doing this gig. And basically, I was in this woman's kitchen, just me and her, for the whole day the next day. And I got to look through her old notebook of tunes and music that she had written down and fascinating. Like I kind of had my own method of keeping track of music and she had hers was all just like, you know, I use spreadsheets and color codes and things like that. But she just had like a little journal that she'd been writing tunes down with like ever since she would started playing pipes. It was like a real piece of legit Irish history, so to speak. I'm going to see if I can dig up the photo. I'll post it in the show notes. 
so she had never heard of scrambled eggs and cheese. She said she had told me that she just saw it on TV the other day and she was fixing to try it. So I actually went out and got some scrambled eggs and cheese and I made it for her as a way of kind of endearing myself to her so that we could play some music together. So eventually she agreed and we start playing some music and I'm going through her notebook to kind of look at the tunes that she has. And lo and behold, the Banshee was on there. So I was like, oh, this one, I know this one. So I've got a recording here of me and this woman playing pipes in her kitchen. And if you don't know, pipes are extremely loud. You can't really even hear the fiddle. Her kitchen was very small too, but I think it's awesome. I'm gonna let you hear it. Audio quality isn't the best. I wasn't really ever planning on sharing it. Uh, I was just kind of recording it with my iPhone. But here you go. This is me and some elderly piper playing the Banshee on a mountaintop in Dingle, Ireland. I know you knew, the, the, I think I saw the Banshee. Remember me So pretty cool. I remember that day well, just me and this woman in her kitchen in Ireland on this mountaintop in this little fishing village while my buddy was basically passed out for 18 hours. <laughs> A funny kind of conclusion to the story is once me and my friend got back from the three-hour drive back to Ennis where we were kind of based out of, she called my buddy to yell at me because I left a dish out before we left. 
She did seem a little sad to see me go, so I do like to think I had some impact on her, maybe unfroze her icy heart a little bit. With all that being said, I like to now play you my version of the Banshee. So there you go. Thanks for checking out the episode. If you were constipated and this episode helped, definitely send me a message or an email. Also, I have a Patreon page. I do appreciate the people who have gone on there and contributed as a way of saying that what they think I'm doing is valuable. But I would really like is if people could go onto the Facebook page and subscribe or go to my YouTube channel. There's not much on YouTube right now, but I've got some stuff that is really nearing completion that I'm going to put up there in a second. But having the followership on Facebook and YouTube, it kind of allows me to approach artists for the local project and say, hey, I've got this following and it can kind of sway their mind and kind of teaming up with me or going to venues and saying, uh, hey, I want to play at your establishment. Look, I've got X many Facebook followers. I know it's been a while since my last episode and for years, one of my deficiencies as a musician and artist was I struggled from a attempt to make everything perfect and it kept me from putting material and content out there. And I'm really trying to break away from that. So I'm slowly getting over that struggle. So I appreciate everyone who's coming on this journey with me. And again, if there's anything I can do to make the podcast better. If my pillow fort worked this week, <laughs> please let me know. So until next time, which will hopefully be a little bit sooner than this last break I've had, be bold, be kind, and safe travels wherever your wandering takes you.